Welcome to the Confident Eaters Podcast, where you get proven methods to end overeating, emotional eating, and stressing about food. We're heading for harmony between your body, food, and feelings. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my team at Confident Eaters. Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us on this episode of the Confident Eaters Podcast. And today I have with me my co-coach, Shannon Ballard, and we are talking about food shame. Tell us a little bit more about who you are. My name is Shannon Ballard. I am in East Tennessee, right outside the beautiful Smoky Mountains. I came to nutrition um, not in the traditional like registered dietitian way. I actually have a background in chemistry. And so I first fell in love with nutrition because of science. Love it. <laughs> and to my core, I'm a Star Wars geek. I'm I'm literally wearing an Ewok shirt right now. <laughs> like <laughs> just geek through and through. But I came to nutrition through science because I started learning about the biochemistry behind food and how that interacts with our body. And I was just blown away by the miraculousness <laughs> of how this all works together. And then after I fell in love with that, I sort of found this other piece of healing through food. I grew up um, in the dance world and I love dance so much, but if there are any you know dancers out there or previous dancers, you might know that it's not always the most conducive environment for body positivity. I think there's been many efforts to move that forward now, but thinking about that, I just, I didn't have the best relationship with food in my body. And so then through my own process of making peace with my body, it became really liberating and joyful. And then this passion sort of turned into nutrition coaching. And I found you, Georgie, and it feeds my heart and soul, partly because I know how horrible it feels when we don't have that peace. Getting to see clients have that and heal that and go through that journey is just, it's beyond beautiful. And so our topic today about like food shame, when I'm talking to clients, it comes up very frequently. It's very common. And I hear a lot of hurt and despair from clients and hurt and despair that I've experienced myself. And then to help them move to a place of freedom and confident eating around food and out of the shame. I mean, it's just a really beautiful journey. Let's get to it. As we know, Confident eating is about so much more than our nutrient intake. The freedom and joy that we want to help everyone develop around food means that we're going to have to displace or overpower some of the emotions we don't want there, like shame. Because there's so many explicit and subtle messages in the world that feed that shame, most people need some support and tips around this topic. So I'm glad that we're covering it today. Food shame impacts most people with their food from time to time. For some people, it impacts them on a daily basis and it can become crippling. Food shame can lead to people not enjoying social occasions. It can lead to them severely limiting their diet and actually harming their health. And it can keep people from some of the positive things that food can add to our lives. Things like connecting with our heritage and our family, celebrating occasions, going to Paris and eating Nutella crepes from a street cart, <laughs> things like that. They don't always happen if you're constantly packing baggies of chicken and celery to bring to wedding receptions. Mm -hmm. 
In this episode, we're going to talk about the many ways shame can become entangled with your eating, how to fight back for your own benefit, and so you can help remove shame from the world for every other eating person on the planet. So, Which is everyone. Which is everyone. <laughs> it is everyone. Literally, everybody wins when we put less shame on ourselves around food and less shame on other people. So how have you seen this come up lately with your clients? I see this come up with, I think, just about every client. At some point in time, we talk about shame. And I've had several clients mention that that shame will come up externally. And so it might be that you know they're eating with someone or maybe they're at a buffet or whatever the situation is. And someone might even just make the comment of like, wow, you must have been really hungry. Like commenting on right, just amount like seemingly not a big deal to be like, oh wow, you must have been really hungry. But like that phrase can be really triggering for some people. Or oh wow, I can't believe you ate that whole thing. Are you gonna eat or, all of that? Like, oh my skin yes. crawls. Oh, are you eating vegetables because you're on a diet? <laughs> are you oh. dieting right now? Like, oh, oh, just stop talking about my plate. So, Georgie, how do you think people? should respond to these comments and how do we bulletproof ourselves so that these words don't tear us down? This is such a great place to start because so many times friends and family will inadvertently increase our food shame or say something that we interpret in a way that makes us feel deeply shamed. The accidental shame slinging can happen (laughs) because some people just don't think that those questions are going to be problematic. When people are hearing these, a lot of times it's just from one or two people. It could be somebody in your family, it could be a friend, or maybe it's one of those coworkers. And there's no one answer for this sort of thing. So I like to try and figure out when this comes up whether the person's intent is to be helpful, or whether it's just curiosity or making small talk, or if it's actually malicious. Thankfully, that's rare, but sometimes. There are mean girls out there that really want to cut you down. And commenting on the portion that somebody's eating is a really direct way to a lot of people's sensitivities. If somebody means to be helpful, sometimes they're curious, or maybe it's like, you know, the kind old guy that just wants to start a conversation with you. So he says something out of left field. We're probably going to want to respond differently than if we think they're really intentionally going for the jugular. So assuming the best, I would say if you think someone's just trying to help you reach your goals, for example, they know that you're trying to reduce your body weight or lower your blood sugar and that you're trying to eat healthier. If somebody's like, oh, do you really need that dessert? Once you stop wincing, (laughs) I might say something like, I know you just want to help, but it makes me so uncomfortable when you comment on my food portions. Or if you imply that I shouldn't be eating something, It doesn't help me not want to eat it. It actually makes me feel a little rebellious. So that honesty can feel like it's sort of hard to drum up, but it's a lot better than saying nothing. And it's definitely a lot better than snapping and being like, back off, because this is somebody that's trying to be your ally. So we do want to let them support us. I think a lot of times we just need to coach people on how to support us. In this situation, one thing you can say to your well-intended partner or family member is, it would be more helpful if you just asked me how I'm feeling. If I look like I am just pounding ice cream because I'm self-medicating, why not just ask me why I'm feeling upset and invite me if I want to chat? I think that would be a lot more productive 
and telling me to put away the ice cream. Mm -hmm. Other things we can let people know is it's super helpful when you make healthy meals for us for dinner or when you buy that brand of yogurt that I like. So it's on hand or when you offer to take a walk with me after dinner, those ways of supporting me really make me feel loved and they help me have more success. But I don't need you to be the food police. And really, I don't want to give you that job. So you don't need to be the food police. Just letting people know kindly that that's not the sort of support that you need. What do you think of that, Shannon? Does that sound like doable or is that like I'm out to lunch? I think that sounds really nice. And just having the words ready for when someone says something to you, like here's a nice kind response back. Or like you said, being proactive and letting your partner or friend know if like, hey, if I'm like you said, going to town on ice cream, just check in with me. It's a lot nicer than someone making us feel uncomfortable inadvertently mm-hmm. about our choices. So that proactive strategy, it goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's actually the toughest to respond to these sort of food shaming comments when it's somebody who's honestly trying to help you because our instinct is to often be mean right back. (laughs) So if it's somebody to use a different example that we don't know very well, like let's say this is your coworker and every day you're in the lunchroom where everybody eats lunch and they look at your food and they say, Oh, eating a lot of cheese there, aren't we? (laughs) Or some other comment Mm. that makes you just like cringe. Cringe. I think a lot of us, we don't really want to be so vulnerable to let them know, you know, I feel really shamed and judged when you do that. Though, if that is something you feel comfortable saying, power to you. By all means. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to take the humor angle when people are going that way. So I might say something like, yeah, I am going to eat all this. Look out. I might eat yours too. (laughs) Or you seem awfully curious about my lunch. What's going on with your day that this is the most exciting thing? Or if somebody says, oh, I'm just amazed that you're eating that much. I might say, well, I am pretty amazing and change the topic. (laughs) I like the change the topic at the end too. That's a nice diversion to wave. You've made your comment back. You've had some humor, some levity, and now we can find something else to fall into. Totally. In recent years, I've also found that, you know, because unfortunately I have to handle these comments, people find out you're a dietitian and it's like, Heaven forbid you're eating lunch with this person. (laughs) They either comment on what they're eating or you're eating. Like the very next Mm -hmm. sentence out of their mouth. I probably shouldn't be eating this. I'm like, really? But you're eating a sandwich. And you're like, oh, Christ. (laughs) I should have said I was an architect, right? (laughs) So a lot of times I like to actually voice some pride in the amount I'm eating. Because having an appetite and a love for food... I think can be a really nice characteristic of a person to have. I might say, heck yeah, this woman needs plenty of fuel or, oh yeah, I have a healthy appetite. I am definitely not one of those people that eats like a bird or look out world. When I am well-fed, I am a force to be reckoned with. I just find these comments make me smile internally and externally. (laughs) And sometimes I see other people in the environment actually smile too. So because I'm a cross country skier, I do a lot of workouts with my team. And when we're doing a really long endurance session, we tend to stop every 30 to 60 minutes and have a snack, something carby. Sometimes it's candy. Sometimes it's, you know, a Nutri-Grain bar, whatever it is. <laughs> but there's certainly some people on my team who feel perfectly fine just rolling through and not stopping for a snack. And you can almost see 
who feels iffy about stopping and having a snack. And it used to be me, like my first year with the team, Mm. I'd be like, well, they're not stopping. I'm not going to be the only one who initiates Mm. the, the stop. And now I'm like, all right, I'm stopping. I'm having a snack. You guys just keep rolling if you need to. Like I'll be the only person that stops and has my snack. And rarely am I the only person who stops if I say it that way, like I'm stopping. Mm -hmm. But I notice other people tend to look around the group. Do you want to stop or do you want to do like another 5K and then stop for a snack? But if you just announce you're stopping, inevitably somebody else wants a snack too. Yeah. I don't know. How would you handle it, Shannon, if somebody was making a comment about the size of your meal? Oh, good question. After I move through the urge to um, rearrange my face um, <laughs> and I re-put that smile and bring it back to the eyes, um, if someone comments on the size of my plate, I feel pretty matter of fact about it. Um, I'm probably not as like quick with the wit, Georgie. I might have to remember some of these comments for, for next time. I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm eating. Just like matter of fact, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I find like one all purpose response is I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm satisfied. And today it's this much Mm, because that that works. If somebody's giving you, you sometimes people will raise an eyebrow, like that's all you're going to eat. You're not having dessert. Oh, then I feel bad. I won't have dessert. You're like, what's going to make you feel bad if they feel like you're eating too healthfully, too much, too little, or too unhealthfully. Like, we can't eat in a way that's like <laughs> completely immune to being judged. So, yeah, today it's this. And I like that idea too, because it gives you the autonomy over your food choices instead of being influenced by is that person having dessert? Are they stopping for a snack? It's your response to your body in that moment instead of letting everyone else dictate what choice you should be making. Mm, Such a good point. And that's what we all want, I think. We all want to be autonomous and free-willed and make choices that feel good to us, not Mm -hmm. eat to please everyone else in the room. (laughs) So one of the things I know we've talked about before that I think would be great to chat about here today is... How shame can pop up even without those sort of comments coming from the peanut gallery. I mean, we definitely hear about people that are home alone or they may be in a public place like a Starbucks and no one is looking at what they're eating or judging it. And yet there is still shame that comes up around, say, ordering a muffin or eating a brownie. Yeah, I've had clients even who have said they feel shame about eating anything at all. Mm. Wow. Not even just, yeah, not even just, you know, a certain food or in a certain setting. No one said anything. It's just the idea of eating feels shameful or maybe really guilty too. So with that shame, it's interesting to look at where, where is the shame coming from? And that that's harder work and more emotional work to do too. Georgie, I believe you talked about this and give yourself more of the idea of candy and like reward with feeling good or bad around food. Was that in your book? It was, it was, it's, um, is candy good or is candy bad? Because we give it as prizes like, Oh, you won the spelling bee. Here's a little basket of candy. But then we also see things like, Oh, candy's bad for you. And you know, the poster in the dentist office will be like, all those bad sugar monsters are chewing away at Mm. your teeth. And you're like, I don't get it. Like, why is this thing that I get when I'm good? Also something that people are telling me not to eat or that it's bad, (laughs) that I can't have it all the time or that I can't have it at home. Like 
I don't get it. I don't get it. It's certainly, and it, it doesn't end when we cease to be small children. I mean, yeah. I love looking at food advertising and picking out how many messages imply that mm. food is either sinful or indulgent or you've been so good. Be a little naughty. Eat this ice cream mm. bar. Like a lot of times desserts. <laughs> we even see it in the names of what people call dessert, like devil's food cake has Ooh, good point. a sinful undertone to it. Like you are being so naughty by eating something with sugar and flour. <laughs> and with all of those messages, it's no wonder that we have maybe some shame coming up around food. So if someone's sitting there, nobody's around, no one said anything and they're feeling shame. It's like, all right, let's check and get really curious. Like, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. And then are we experiencing shame in general? Are we experiencing shame? Maybe it's just around a certain food. Like you said, like the devil's food cake, or it's a treat, or it's something particular, this food. And then get curious, ask yourself questions. I ask my clients, like, take an observation moment. Mm -hmm. What's going on? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? And then can we trace it back to where did this food shame start to come from? Were you eating some chocolate cake as a kid and someone said something to you about it? And all of a sudden now that has stuck. Yeah. And now I feel shame about this food. And so letting go of that good and bad, or there's just morality around food can help let go of some of that shame because if food is not good or bad, then we are not good or bad for making those choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then finding something that feels safe around that food and starting there. And we'll talk more about, you know, how can we practice this, but finding something that feels safe to practice with this food that has shame? Does it feel safe to have a bite of chocolate cake? Okay, that's okay. So let's start with a bite of chocolate cake instead of the whole piece. All right, maybe we don't feel shame there. Let's start with that. Let's get some reps and feel really good about this bite of chocolate cake first. And then Georgia, I think you have some other suggestions of ways that we can start to practice moving out of this shame. Yeah. I mean, I love what you said about being curious and asking questions. You know, we can't coach clients or ourselves by just simply disseminating advice. It's not about do this. We have to start with understanding what's going on. Why is this happening? Because that's going to let us know what we want to change to get relief. So for many people, the shame didn't start this year. It didn't start this week. Mm-hmm. It started long, long ago. And that's one of the reasons why it has been so persistent. Because when we're children, we internalize messages with a real degree of permanence. So when we understand that we internalized this message from very early in our lives, I think that can be the first step in not blaming ourselves. Because if we notice that somebody else does not have food shame, it's so easy to say, what's wrong with me? Why do I have this weakness? Why is my thinking broken? And if you recognize, hey, this is just something that you were told when you were young that they weren't told when they were young and it's not benefiting you. So let's update that belief system. So many times parents overgeneralize what they say to kids, which for better or worse, makes some things understandable by children. Like 
don't get in people's vans. If they offer you candy, they could be a bad person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is an yep. oversimplification. <laughs> it's also a very good idea to <laughs> teach your children things like don't get in vans with strangers. But when it comes to things like that's a bad food, oftentimes that can take a topic that is better off with nuance. Like we don't eat that as often as we eat other foods and it can become problematic. So you can recognize, okay, my parents gave me polarized messages that this is good and that's bad because they thought that's all I could understand. But actually that's not the truth. A more updated level of understanding would be that eating this food is fine and it's a wonderful source of pleasure to eat a candy bar. They're not, on the other hand, great if you need to de-stress after a long day or make up for Mm -hmm. a lack of rest and relaxation in your life. (laughs) But these are complicated topics. And so unfortunately, when we're kids, we just sort of get candy bad, carrots good. Mm -hmm. The shame comes from feeling like, but I desire those foods that people have told me are bad. And if I eat those foods, doesn't that make me bad? So ways that we can turn this around often start with reframing. Rather than calling a food a bad food, I like to say that it's a low nutrition food. So even if I eat ice cream for dinner one night, it doesn't mean I had a bad meal or that I'm a bad person. Oh, I've been so bad. My clients will say to me mm-hmm. only the first Mine month. But then they start to learn, <laughs> we learn. that I'm going to correct them and you're going to correct them. And we're going to say, hey, it was a low nutrition meal. You weren't bad. We can start to reframe how we see the foods that we previously associated with shame may just be low nutrition foods that we particularly like the taste of. I love it. So let's say that someone is sitting with shame and it's a lower nutrition food. Like maybe every time they eat ice cream, they feel shame. So Georgie, how do you recommend to a client within the program and practices that we have, how can we start to move out of that shame? So what are some strategies that you would give someone? I want to eat ice cream, but I want to eat it without shame. How do they put that into practice? If shame is coming up every single time somebody enjoys a dessert or a low nutrition food, I think we can update what is the goal here? The goal here is not to eat 100% pristine, nutrient-dense food. It's not all about like kale and egg whites and strawberries. It also includes some chocolate. It also includes an ice cream sandwich here and then, or some potato chips with your kid. Even the healthiest people in the world and the healthiest diets include some of those foods. Those sort of experiences are part of a healthy plan. What we try and work through with our clients is how often can we include those foods and still meet our goals, whether that goal is healthy blood pressure and cholesterol numbers or a lower body weight or improved feelings about one's appearance. There's a certain amount of those foods that fit. There's a serving size of any food that fits in a weight loss program. Even French fries, it may just be a lower serving or a larger serving on a less frequent basis. But there's certainly a serving that we can work in there. You never have to feel like none of this food is permissible or one bite of this food makes me a bad person or off plan. And as we've seen, when somebody feels like it's all or nothing, then that first bite of chocolate cake, as you said earlier, (laughs) oh, it can just lead to just a spiral of, of the food. If we 
have the all or nothing. And the idea that all of these foods are allowed, sometimes it's really surprising to clients. We have mm. the conversation about treats. It's like, oh, we can, we can still have French fries. Yeah, we can still have French fries. Totally, totally. I, uh, I remember having a client who literally jumped up and down when I told her she could eat bananas. Oh, <laughs> she was like, oh my God, I love bananas, but I've always heard you can't eat them because they're so high carbs and so high sugar. Mm. And I was like, oh honey, you can eat bananas. And she, <laughs> she was so excited. Yes. That goes to show like how twisted some messaging has gotten that says you should be ashamed mm. if you eat a banana. Like mm. bananas are not harmful. And I feel like a lot of shame evaporates when we are around people that don't feel food shame and don't treat mm. food as if it's a shameful topic. So if, for example, I go out to a restaurant and I'm ordering lunch with Shannon and we're going, oh, this looks good. This looks good. I feel like having this. Oh, I haven't had blue cheese in the longest time. Maybe I want the cob salad <laughs> or maybe I want this. Oh, they have a bison burger. I hardly ever have bison. Like we're talking about what we want to eat and we're enjoying the experience. That is an environment and a setup that's going to produce less shame than if we go out to eat with Aunt Shirley and Aunt Shirley opens the menu and goes, well, I can't look at any of those. And oh, I'm going on this cruise next month. I'm going to wear a bathing suit. So I you definitely Low can't carb. look at the dessert menu. Yeah. The, the bread basket needs to be taken off sure. the table. And you're just sitting there watching this person feel anxious and restrictive about their own food intake. It's going to make you feel less inclined to order mm -hmm. the Cobb salad or the bison burger if that's what you truly want to eat at that time. And so I think a lot of times clients who are just speaking with a nutrition professional or a trainer or anyone in their life who is really positive about food and the enjoyment of food and that there are no bad foods, that goes a long way toward removing shame because shame 100%. is a social construct. Yes. So, so some of the things that we do that probably help clients are very accessible for anyone to do on their own, even if they don't work with us. So one that I already mentioned is reframing, I want to be good, or I've been good, or I've been bad to be more specific. I've been eating really nutritiously, or I haven't been eating as many fruits and vegetables as I wanted. Those are much more accurate, much less shame laden statements to make if you're reflecting on your own eating. Also, I think behaviors can really influence our emotional state when it comes to how we feel about foods. So if I feel deep shame linked to ice cream, what that will often lead to is me only eating ice cream in private, maybe only alone. So I can change that profoundly by treating it like something that's not meant to be hidden. So I might challenge myself, you know, I am going to go to the ice cream shop, order an ice cream cone, and I'm going to sit on the bench outside and eat it. While this may sound to some people like, yeah, what's the big deal? Like you order ice cream, you eat it. I do that all the time. For somebody who feels a lot of deep shame, right? Like you're nodding. Mm, that could be yeah. a huge barrier. It is just the, to eat a food that makes you feel shame in front of another human can be a really big step and it can be really hard. Mm -hmm. And I love that of, you know, so we, we start maybe eating just on a bench with some public, and then maybe we're slowly able to incorporate it in and eat it in front of people that we wouldn't normally eat it in front of. Mm -hmm. And, and as that. we know, people can be super different. 
So I might find that I can eat an ice cream cone with Shannon a whole lot more easily than I can with Aunt Shirley, who is constantly going, oh, I can't eat that. You're going to eat that? (laughs) We all know those people that make the good comments. Yes. They may be the last people that we want to enjoy our treats with because it's more fun to have them around other people that are feeling similarly about enjoying their food. And And I... think the skill, Georgie, actually has a name of when we have shame and it's the emotion regulation skill where we sort of do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Opposite action is a great, great thing. I love to teach it to clients to do specifically with the emotion of shame. So when we think about feeling ashamed, it makes us want to adopt a sort of natural posture where our head comes forward, our shoulders come forward. We make ourselves appear smaller and we kind of display through our body language that we don't want to be here. We don't want to be seen. It makes us feel smaller, less than, and inferior. However, if we commit to doing the opposite posture, which would be sitting up straight, holding our head high, leaving our shoulders back and our chest open to take in full breaths, it can immediately change our emotional state. And so if you practice eating a particular food and adopting that shameless state, you're really taking steps to help your body and your nervous system adopt that food as one that is perfectly okay to eat and you are perfectly okay for eating it. So with opposite action and shame, so if shame, like you mentioned, Georgie, is we think about physically, we're closing in on ourselves. Shame is like we are locking the secret inside of us. Mm-hmm. Like We are not going to, we are covering physical traces. We are not going to talk about it. And it's this, the secret that we tuck away. One of the things that helps take the power away from shame is the opposite action, which is speaking it. Mm. And that's the hard Super part. scary, and right? Like, oh, very scary. And I think the key is talking about it, maybe not with Aunt Shirley, but maybe with a safe person. So where where is your safe person that you trust to talk about it with? It's you know, Georgie, have you ever had those moments where you have a thought in your head and it's just, it feels really big and seriously you say it out loud. And it's like, oh, that seems silly. <laughs> but yes. definitely when it comes to fears or things yes. that I'm ashamed of, I'll be like, oh my goodness. I realize I feel so much self-judgment about a particular emotion or thought, mm-hmm. but I also have the most wonderful supportive husband anyone could ask for. Oh. And like clockwork, the discussion goes like this. <laughs> Roland, I can't believe I'm even saying this out loud because I feel really silly and this makes me feel like a fool, but blah, 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 blah. And he goes, that's okay. That's not crazy. It makes sense. You know, and in my particular case, it's often like, yeah, well, you grew up in a kind of wacky situation. So you didn't learn X, Y, (laughs) Z. So he's always able to make me feel like you're not crazy. You're not foolish. You're not weak. Yeah, it's just a thought that you have and you're recognizing that it's not serving you. And you're Mm -hmm. also a person who keeps changing and updating your beliefs. So you grow. Yeah. I really wish everybody had a Roland or somebody that they felt comfortable saying their most shameful thing to who would turn around and say to them, that's not shameful. It's just a thought. You're a good person. I love it. And if you don't have a Roland, grab a journal and jot Mm. it down. Because you can do that yourself and practice it too of, okay, let me write this shameful thought down. And what would 
the kind response be back to myself. And this is a really powerful thing to do of like, I'm writing out my shame. You see it on paper. Writing is what we call forced processing. Mm -hmm. So it's not just trapped in our head. We're forced to see it. We're forced to look at it, which sounds scary, but it's really liberating. Like here it is. It's not living between my ears. And then let me take that and just insert some kindness and compassion into it. Yeah. How can I make this a little bit softer, a little bit kinder? Yeah. So I love opposite action. And I actually had the opportunity to practice it 48 hours ago. Yes. Around, yes, around a little bit of shame that came up. So I had dinner and was just having one of those nights where I was really bloated. Like life. Yeah. yeah. We all have those nights where you get bloated. Food baby. And I was going to teach. Yeah. Right. Food baby. So I was going to teach yoga and I was changing clothes to go teach yoga. And my thought was, oh my gosh, I'm about to wear tight pants in front of a lot of people and a tight shirt and everybody's gonna be looking at me and I'm so bloated. Like people are going to think, oh my gosh, like my head was just spinning of just spiral of thoughts of like, oh, people are going to be like, oh, she shouldn't be a yoga teacher. Oh, is she like pregnant or something right now when I am not? And just my brain was going through that. And I was able to pause, take a look at my thoughts. Okay. Let's try some opposite action here. Let's put on the normal yoga pants, our normal top and thinking through the fear there. Is anyone honestly going to say anything? No. The people I teach and get to practice yoga with are some of the nicest humans. Right. Like they would not do that. They're probably not even thinking about that. Yeah. Do I think that about other people? No, definitely not. I am a human. Human bodies bloat sometimes, especially after eating a big, beautiful dinner. Right. And that's normal. So I wore my normal yoga clothes. And afterwards, I felt hella empowered. I was like, Thanks. I feel good. Yeah. This is good. Opposite action can be very effective and empowering, but it was also vulnerable to mm-hmm. go into. Right. Because it can feel like it's safer to hide ourselves. Like, oh, let me find the yes. biggest, baggiest top I have. Yep. And that is how part of this came up because those were all dirty. <laughs> it was either laundry or, you know, let's, let's take this opposite action. And it turned out great. Nobody said anything. And it was a beautiful experience. Yeah. Let people see what we are. And when they don't run away screaming, we realize we're acceptable in all of our forms. Yes. Loaded raccoon eyes and all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think refusing to give in when shame says, cover yourself up, hide yourself, stay home. Don't do that and let anyone know. It's, it's always lying. The shame is never truthful. Because mm-hmm. if you did those things, like eating a food, regardless of what food it is, I don't think anybody in their right mind is going to come up to you and say horrible things. It's normal to eat food. Food was literally made to be eaten. There's things that we can do, certainly, that would be appropriate to feel guilty over. Like, for example, if our values include honesty and fairness, then anytime that we act dishonestly or perhaps cheat at something, it makes sense that we're going to feel a little bit of discomfort with that. That's just our conscience. That's our conscience trying to help us stay on track with our integrity. But when that starts coming up around food, very often it's 
shame that we've borrowed from somebody else who told us ice cream was bad or candy bars were bad or that tight pants are bad. If you're bloated, you have to be a size zero to wear Lululemon or whatever Mm. it is. (laughs) And so I, I think it is really powerful to do exactly what you mentioned there and go against the shame that says hide and keep it a secret and talk about it and show up. I also think like with the journaling point that you mentioned, when we ask ourselves, where did this come from? And we start looking for the origins, the simple fact that we always find an origin is proof in and of itself that it's not our invention. We're not Mm. selfish and that's why we feel weird. We're not egotistical or superficial or any of these labels that we could put on ourselves. We can usually see I got this because so-and-so said this to me as a kid, or that this was the regular routine practice in my home to treat this like it was shameful. So we can see where we got it from. We didn't just invent it to make our lives more difficult. I like the term borrowed shame that you use. I think that's a great way to put it because when we borrow something, we give it back. Mm, That's really good. So (laughs) maybe in the journal, we can imagine giving it back. Since we've invented Aunt Shirley to be our food shaming person, we can say like Aunt Shirley told me that if I put butter on my bread, I'm going to get fat. Well, Aunt Shirley, you may have died 20 years ago, but I'm giving you back this belief that putting butter on bread is going to make me fat. I actually know that putting some butter on my bread makes it taste delicious and that eating that in moderation eating when I'm hungry, stopping when I'm satisfied, that sort of detail is completely irrelevant and I can have a healthy weight. Mm. When we give the shame back to its source, I think that's a really good visual to help us let go of it. Mm. So maybe somebody isn't sure. Do I feel food shame or am I just trying to eat healthy? Let's make Mm. a sort of verbal checklist that we can go down. So if a lot of these are you, greater odds that you may be experiencing food shame. So why don't you name one, Shannon, and then I'll go and we'll talk more. How about using these self-checkouts instead of going through a cashier line when you're buying food? That's a sneaky one. It is. It is. We have to be honest, right? Because you could be using the self-checkout because it's a shorter line. Yes. But if you're doing it yes. just because of the items you're purchasing, mm-hmm. good sign that you might be feeling some shame. I like that one. I think anytime we're lying about our eating, mm. there's probably a reason we're doing that. So if somebody asks us about what we typically eat for dinner, like a dietitian, and we tell them <laughs> something that's a little more positive, or perhaps what we eat on the best days, mm-hmm. that can be a sign that. We're feeling some food shame. You know, I I certainly have taken my share of diet recalls in my life. And I know that some people are very uncomfortable telling me about what they eat. And we'll even see it on our assessment form. There's a Mm -hmm. question on our assessment form that says, please describe a typical day's intake, including all food Mm -hmm. and beverages. And some people will do exactly as instructed and write for breakfast. I typically have this for lunch. I have this and so forth. And other people will say, typically three meals, and then they leave the rest of the question blank and they move on. Oh my gosh. And I don't think it's a misreading. I think it's somebody who's Mm -hmm. like, I'm really uncomfortable telling somebody about what I actually eat. And so I think that's a really good hallmark of shame. And we don't want to tell somebody about what we eat or we want to fudge it. Yeah. Hiding food wrappers. 
Mm, covering the want, evidence. Yes. Burying the evidence. If you find yourself even like picking up the trash to bury that Twinkie wrapper deeper in the garbage so that people don't see that or your in-laws don't see it when they come over, that is a sign. We might have some food shame. Mm, really, really good point. We touched on it earlier, but I think refusing to eat particular foods in front of particular people or in public. Mm -hmm. So I've had numerous clients where their workplace kept some sort of stash of problematic foods, like a candy jar, or there were always cookies in the break room or something. And people would often discuss with me their challenges and that they were eating those foods with regularity and they wanted to stop. But if I mentioned something like, so rather than eating handful after handful, of these candies that you don't really like, what if you bought a single checkout size bar of your favorite candy and brought it to work so that you had your preferred thing? So you, you weren't only having this Mm -hmm. and people will say, I can't buy candy. So they struggle with it when it's free, but Mm -hmm. will not buy candy. I think that's a really eye-opening sort of statement. Mm -hmm. And the client that I have in mind who said this was able to overcome it. We talked about it. There's no shame in buying a candy bar at the checkout. No, Definitely not. blinking light is going to drop from the ceiling. Be like, oh my God, somebody purchased the things we have for sale. It's crazy. <laughs> like, that's what it's there for. People buy it all day long. If you stand at the gas station and you watch the people that come and go out of the convenience store, buying candy and soda is a perfectly normal thing to do. Absolutely. So I think that's one that might clue people in that they're experiencing some shame. Thinking about watching other people, there can be a sneaky one too. Of If you notice that you have the urge to police someone else's behavior around a certain food, that could be a little signal that maybe you have some shame or some uncomfortability around that food. Can you say some more about that? Do you, would that be only like, like it's normal for parents to sort of police their kids intake and tell them when to, you know, not eat the jam out of the jar or something. <laughs> sure, definitely. Let's say I walked into the room and my husband was eating a bowl full of chips. Mm-hmm. And I said something like, oh, are you having a snack already? That could be a really big sign that I have a problem with the food that he's eating. Maybe Mm. I don't feel comfortable around those chips. Maybe I'm feeling some shame around that, or maybe I think he should feel shame around that. And that's very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. It leads us to see some of those statements we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Like when someone in your household says, are you really going to eat all that? Those comments most frequently come from someone who's concerned about their own food intake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a really good one. So if you're realizing, you know, I think I do have some shame around food. It's also common to think, I'm not sure I want to get rid of the shame. Because if I get rid of the shame, does that mean I am just going to live on ice cream and Pop-Tarts and potato chips all day long if I don't feel shamed about eating it? Yes. Which is a valid concern. Like we don't, Shannon and I are not in the business of putting people on all potato chip diet. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is a valid concern though. I talked to a client earlier this week and this concern came up more around the idea of calorie counting and if we let calorie counting go. But the idea is similar here of using shame as a way to regulate 
what we're eating. And it's sort of a nice thought experiment. This is what I have proposed to clients before. Like, let's do the thought experiment. If you had unlimited access to all of these foods that you feel shame around, what would happen? Like, would you just eat potato chips until you threw up? And they always say no. Like, I wouldn't do that. Like, almost always I hear, well, I really enjoy eating healthy food too. So no, I don't think I would do that. I'm like, ding, ding, ding. Here it is. See, you already have it inside you. You have that belief already and that value that even if we took all guardrails off, the shame disappeared, you wouldn't go ballistic. No. It would still be pretty balanced. Right. When we remove shame, we have our values and our natural inclination to motivate us. Even if I don't feel ashamed of eating ice cream, if I eat endless ice cream, I'm going to one, start to crave other foods because the taste of it will get boring. Mm -hmm. Two, I'm going to have major issues with all that lactose. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) Um, Three, we also have knowledge about what's healthy for our bodies. And even though low nutrition foods certainly fit in a healthy diet, the base of a healthy diet should be mostly unprocessed food. So knowing that without using shame, I can think, I want to give my body nutrition. I want my body to have good fuel coming in so that I have good energy. So I don't need shame to motivate myself. I can be drawn forward by the person I want to be and the feeling that I want to get from my food. So I'm approaching my goal rather than being motivated by this horrible Mm. thing behind me, the shame that I want to run away from. I love that. Running to something positive instead of away from a monster. And while you're talking about that, Georgie, it made me think of the magical operative word should Mm. people use sometimes here. I should eat this. I shouldn't eat that, which ties into the whole idea of morality around food. But should, as my therapist has told me before, is a cognitive distortion, which is just a fancy way of saying it's a mental filter based on our bias And it tends to make us feel bad about ourselves. Totally. In a nice, easy way, if you find yourself shooting around food or shame around those foods, I shouldn't eat this. It can be a nice, easy swap to just put in could instead Mm -hmm. of should. So I should skip eating this dessert in front of someone. And maybe that's because you feel shame or feeling guilty about it, et cetera. But if we just switch, I should skip eating dessert in front of someone to, I could skip eating dessert in front of someone. It takes so much of that morality out. And now it just feels like a choice. Like I could do this. Which it really is. I should. Like I'm allowed. Yeah. Because we are. We're allowed to eat all the food in the world all day long. I discourage Mm -hmm. stealing other people's food, but... (laughs) Food that you own or are willing to purchase or make, you can you can eat any of it. There's no should. Yeah. It's all up to you. And same goes for an example we had at the beginning of maybe you're eating something really nutritious in front of someone and someone says, oh, are you trying to lose weight right now? Mm. Mm, great. And maybe we should ourselves if, oh, I shouldn't eat this in front of them. And the food makes you feel really, really good. Yeah. And we can could that instead of I could eat this food in front of them. Yeah, I can eat that in front of them. Mm -hmm. And maybe we have some of Georgie's (laughs) quick comments back. (laughs) 
As a matter of fact, I do have some ideas because we had this happen, right? Like we had a client just recently who said when she's eating healthy foods in the lunchroom at work, her coworkers sort of ask prying questions that she's not comfortable answering because she doesn't particularly want to share her personal goals with everyone at the cubicles. Yeah, And so we gave her some ideas for things to say, like, I'm just enjoying eating well, or I feel really good when I eat this Mm, way, or I just love how this tastes. So if you do have a weight loss goal, it is absolutely within your right. If you want to keep that to yourself, similar to Mm -hmm. if you have the goal of having children or not, you don't have to tell everybody. (laughs) And if people ask you a question, it doesn't mean you're obligated to answer. It is up to you. If somebody questions your reasons for eating your meal, sometimes honesty is the best policy. I really like this. It's tasty and it seems healthy. Yeah. Sometimes people have a little fear that if they set their friends and acquaintances expectation that they are a healthy eater or vegetarian, Mm -hmm. that if they in the future vary from that, they're like, oh, I've set the bar so high. Now everyone's going to expect me to have super healthy meals. And if I come in with a McDonald's burger one day, they're going to be like, what happened? And then I'm going to feel embarrassed. So I usually recommend that people say something like today I'm having this. I reserve the right to eat differently in the future. Today, this is what's for lunch Mm. or I'm not eating meat today. Maybe it'll change tomorrow, but for now I'm enjoying plant-based meals. And do you know how tasty chickpeas are? If you mix them with the spice mix, like you get to control conversations that you take part in. And who's going to argue when it's positive and you're saying that you feel good or Mix this chickpea, you know, with this seasoning, like that's turning into a positive direction Mm -hmm. and it's uplifting the whole conversation. Who's going to argue with the fact that you feel good? Right. Hopefully no one. Yeah. And we all know how it goes. If you say, yeah, I'm so fat. We know what happens. Your coworkers go, oh, no, you're not. (laughs) And then if you truly do have a goal of reducing your body weight. Now they're trying to talk you out of your goal. Oh, come on, come on, oh, this for tacos. Yes. Break your diet or eat this thing, even if it doesn't make you feel good. Mm-hmm. I think food pushing is also a sign that somebody else might be feeling shame. Mm. Like, yes, if we're all eating cake and you're not having cake, we're going to push you to eat it because that makes us feel a little lighter about the shame we feel over eating dessert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which doesn't mean we have to give in because there's no reason for them to feel shamed either. Okay. So we have covered how to respond to comments. If somebody is making comments, whether well-intentioned or not, that make you feel shamed about your food. We've also talked about some ideas for using your behaviors to actually help change your feelings, such as daring to do things the opposite of what your shame is telling you. And that might be eating things in public talking about the things you're tempted to keep secret and purchasing things like they're absolutely normal as opposed to something that you need Mm. to keep hidden. Lastly, I think we want to talk a little more about changing our self-talk. Just like the conversations we have with other people can make us feel shamed, we can actually continue to make ourselves feel shamed if we say things to ourselves that favor that outcome. So for example, if I want a donut and I walk into the donut shop, And I walk up to the counter and I order my donut. And while the person at the counter is getting the donut and putting it in the bag and ringing me up, 
I'm saying things to myself like, they're probably wondering why I eat things like this. They're probably looking at my thighs and thinking, man, she must eat a lot of donuts. I bet everyone behind me is thinking she could eat a few less donuts and look thinner. Those sort of thoughts are going to increase the amount of shame that I feel about my food choice. And as Shannon brought up, just the shoulds, I shouldn't be doing this. That is a really powerful shame increasing statement on its own. So some of the things that I would recommend trying on to see if these help you feel more positive about all the food choices you make. One, I like to decriminalize the idea of eating foods just for joy. So the Mm. thought here might be, there's nothing wrong with eating this just because it's tasty. Enjoyment is important in life. And if we use that thought instead of, I shouldn't be eating this, it can completely change the emotional context and enable us to enjoy our food a lot more too. Mm -hmm. We definitely enjoy the donut more when we don't feel shame around it. Mm -hmm. Then if you sit there, oh my gosh, why am I eating this? Instead of being like, oh, it's maple glazed with bacon on top. That's Mm. my favorite. (laughs) You just enjoy it more. You sound Canadian. (laughs) Ah, It is my favorite donut. And bacon. Yum. Yum. Um, What else do you think might be helpful advice to give people with changing their self-talk? So something you mentioned earlier, Georgie, I want to really highlight is that we are not our thoughts. Mm. We're not our thoughts. We have thoughts all day long. We have lots of them. Some of them may be more helpful than others. So when it comes to self-talk, you have to catch it as well. And we want to observe it. So you can almost imagine the talk. Here's my yoga visualization coming out for us. You think about watching clouds go by. You're just watching them. You're not in the clouds. You're not grabbing onto them. And those are our thoughts. Sometimes it's just nice to put a little distance and notice that non-judgmental observer can be really powerful. So if you see some self-talk, you feel it coming on, you hear it in your head. We don't want to shame ourselves for our self-talk. It starts a a spiral going down. So if we just notice it, oh, I'm noticing that I'm feeling some shame while I'm checking out from the donut. I'm noticing that I'm having these thoughts. Putting some distance can be really helpful. Several of my clients also like to pause here and take a few breaths. Mm. Let me just pause and regroup before I deal with this. And then... Ask some questions about this. You're really curious. What am I feeling right now? Okay, I'm experiencing shame. Do I have some other feelings that are going on right now too? Am I really anxious? Am I about to give a presentation at work? And maybe something happened personally and something else is going on. Like maybe there's more things going on here besides just shame. Get really curious. Is society telling me that I need to feel this way? Do I feel this way? Is this my value? Do your own value check. Mm -hmm. And then from there, ask yourself what you need. Mm -hmm. So after you've really investigated, you've been really curious, ask yourself what you need in that self-talk. It can be hard. We talk about with clients when we reframe these sabotaging thoughts of I shouldn't eat this or that, or I feel shame about this. A direct contradiction can be a little bit jarring. Yeah. It just doesn't feel real. Yeah. We, we need to be convincing to ourselves on this for sure. And so maybe we can insert some kindness here. Gently reframe that. The oldie but a goodie here is how would you talk to your friend? Yeah. 
bring that to yourself. I think a lot of us wouldn't shame somebody else over what they were eating. We'd say, you should have whatever you want, but how differently we can treat ourselves. (laughs) So, and also self-talk can change over time. You're not stuck with your self-talk. The more and more reps that you get, the more and more you build that muscle of a new thought process going in. So if you take the time and it does take effort to change that self-talk away from shame, sabotaging thoughts, whatever it is, but the more and more practice we get with a new thought process, one day you'll just wake up and be like, wow, I just am thinking these like positive thoughts that make me feel good so automatically. Yeah, It's a really beautiful thing. It becomes effortless, but it does take effort in the beginning. And trying to change our thought patterns really feels like speaking a foreign language. Mm. Like, what is this nice language? (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes it feels weird or feels awkward. Like, try it on for size for a couple times. See what happens. Yeah. So let's talk about what life looks like after we get shame out of the picture when it comes to food. My vision of what I think life is like when we don't have shame is that it looks like confidence and that it's much less complicated in the sense that there's a lot less ambivalence. Should I have this or should I have that? It's much more like, I want this, so I'm going to eat this. And it's so simple and calm. And I also think when shame is absent, we eat very consistently. We're not one eater in front of this crowd and a different eater in front of that crowd. And then a completely different eater when we're at home alone, we eat in the way that feels best to us in all circumstances. Anything you would add to that? Your idea of consistency in that it's staying true to yourself and what you want. I think about it almost as a personality and I've seen these funny things on social media where it's like, Oh, you like my personality. I made it just for you. And it's just talking about how people like change their personality around who they're with. And it's okay, but who are you? And same thing here of what makes you feel good. And if you use that as a filter for your food decisions, there's no room for shame in that. What makes me feel good? Shame does not make me feel good. No. And so for living life without shame, there's this level of confidence and identity the ambivalence is gone. That mental ping pong is gone. And I think it's just a lot more peaceful. The struggle is gone. Oh, I'm just going to eat this ice cream in peace. It's just food. Having a nice moment. It, it is. It's just food. Just food. And then it tastes better too. So it's like any parting words, anything else that you think um, you want to add in or drive home as the most important messages people should think about? When it comes to shame and eating. So final thoughts with shame is that if you're experiencing shame, you're not stuck. You are not stuck in that shame and you don't have to always live in this place. It might seem overly simple to voice the shame or eat your chips on a park bench. But those exercises, when we do them over time, the shame really does start to dissolve. You're not stuck with your shame. Love it. You're never stuck in a place that you don't want to be in. There's always hope. And I think that's something that when I'm talking to clients, they can feel like, oh, wow, there's hope. Like, yes, heck yeah, there's hope. Like, you are able to feel confident when you're eating. You're able to move through the shame to another side where you feel good and leave that behind. I love it. 
And if anybody is feeling like they're just not sure what to do with their particular shame thoughts that are coming up, drop us a line. We love, love, love to help people out. You're passionate about what we do and we are good at what we do. So if we can help you lighten the burden of shame around food in your life, you might be amazed at what we can pull off together. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you found something that you can use and apply in your real life because this isn't just about entertainment. It's about making your life better. We believe in you and we think you are worth it. Until next time, this is Confident Eaters. Confident Eaters.